welcome back to Auntie Please, where we are everything we want to be, nothing you want us to be, and so much more. I'm Shaya, and with me I have... Lama! Today, as part of our Sexy Chat segment, where we talk all things sexual health, reproductive health, and our bodies, we have the ever-gracious Amanda Tu on the show. Amanda is currently based in London, where she is pursuing an MSc in Reproductive and Sexual Health Research at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, LSHTM. Previously, having worked as the coordinator of the Reproductive Rights Advocacy Alliance Malaysia, RAM, or RRAAM, where she conducted nationwide research on sexual and reproductive health services in Peninsular Malaysia, alongside running the National Safe Abortion Hotline, it's safe to say Amanda is the perfect guest to help us unpack the conversation around abortion today, particularly within a Malaysian context. Side note, you know how we all have cool seniors we look up to from high school? Yeah, Amanda is one of those for me. So, hi Amanda, welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. Hello, thank you so much for having me. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm good. It's morning time here in London, but it is wonderful to wake up and chat with y'all. It's yeah, so lovely. <laughs> yeah, we're operating from like three different continents right now. <laughs> I know, it's amazing that we're making this work. I love it. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's like one of the perks to come out of like um, COVID, realizing that Zoom is such a thing that can be utilized. So we thought we'd start with a rapid fire question. Um, so get comfy. It's very simple. We'll ask you a series of questions and you just respond. Respond with your reflex answer. Okay. 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 So, teh tarik or masala tea? Teh tarik. Okay. Ipo chicken rice or banana leaf? <gasps> uh, Ipo chicken rice. <laughs> Dim sum or sushi? Sushi. Roti canai or nasi lemak? Nasi lemak. How many languages do you speak and what are they? Ooh, uh, I speak like three and a half. Uh, English, <laughs> Malay, Mandarin... Um, and then I speak very beginner level French because I spent a little bit of time in Paris. That's all. Ooh. Ooh, interesting. Okay, would you rather never get angry or never be envious? Ooh, I would never be envious because there's a lot of worthwhile things to be angry about, I think. Fair enough. Um, what are three things you would bring with you during an apocalypse? Oh my goodness. Um... <laughs> I mean, we are going through the apocalypse, right? So what has gotten me through has been, <laughs> let's say, uh, my phone, uh, um, water filter that would never, you know, stop filtering if that exists. Yep, that's smart. smart. Yeah, and um, probably a charger. Yeah, I honestly do think so, yeah. A, a never-ending yeah, cycle of being sense. able to use my phone and <laughs> mm-hmm. water. <laughs> it's a very, very practical of you. Uh huh. Yeah, um, yeah. 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 <laughs> Next question: Would you rather be a cult leader or a member of a cult? Uh, probably a member. I don't think I would want to be a leader. If it was something I believed in, I'd be happy to follow. Okay. Uh, does falling in love at first sight exist? Hundred percent. Do you, would you rather speak every language or accurately predict the future? <gasps> predict the future, but then that would be interesting because <laughs> it would depend on whether or not people would believe me. You know, you could be like that oracle yeah. that from yeah Greek mythology that no one believes. True. 
Would you rather know the uncomfortable truth of the world or believe in a comfortable lie? Oh, of course, the uncomfortable truth. Yeah, fair enough. Very nice. Okay. I feel like our questions are so, like, what's the word? When they just go from one side of the spectrum to the other, you're just like, <laughs> I really don't know what to say. Zero to hundred. <laughs> yeah, I don't I'm know so if sorry. I'm going to lie awake tonight being like, what should I have brought to my desert island in the apocalypse? <laughs> I really love the water filter answer. I feel like like I feel like no one would That's like so ever smart. think of that. It's, so smart. it's a very smart thing to like. I feel like you've thought about this before, <laughs> <laughs> or you've watched enough movies to know what you need. We are we are in the okay. Apocalypse, so so. Mm, really, let's get into it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the first question that we have for you, or for all of us rather. What were our first experiences in understanding what an abortion was or is? Um, for me, I think I, for the most bit, understood what it meant to get an abortion. Like, I knew that, you know, you'd fall pregnant and you didn't want to keep it. And then you would seek out a service to um, remove it from you. And yeah, but I... But I always kind of knew that it was like a surgical procedure, but I know now that there's more than one way to get an abortion, depending on like how far along you are and stuff, and that and that there's also more than one reason for why people would get an abortion. I don't think I had a bizarre understanding of what it was, but I also remember knowing that, like I never saw it as something controversial, so when I found out that it was something controversial, I was like, oh this is a problem. This is not right. Something's wrong here. Because to me, it just made sense. Um, but yeah, Amanda, what was your under- like first understanding of what an abortion was? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously we, in school, you know, you maybe hear certain things. Uh, it's quite a taboo subject, so people don't speak on it. And even if you do, you know, you it seems that it's a topic that where you're meant to have a certain emotional reaction to it beyond just the um, intellectual understanding of what it is as a medical procedure. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because um, beyond just my first experience or knowledge of it, uh, it was actually when I think I was an intern at BFM um, and I was mm. uh, tasked to look through their coverage of gender issues on the show throughout the history and then kind of give them um, a summary of like what, they were doing right and wrong. And I realized that a gaping hole in that, in their coverage was actually that there were no podcasts or shows that had been done on reproductive rights at all. Um, and so I identified this. And then I was curious um, in thinking about it, thinking what are actually the laws in uh, surrounding abortion in Malaysia? And that kind of led me down a rabbit hole of doing the research and figuring out that this is actually such a huge pressing um, need in the country that's not talked about. Um, that people are doing good work for, I had to realize after, um, but there definitely needs to be so much work done. So that was actually my, I would say, my first um, time really delving into it, um, just just because of, mm-hmm. you know, realizing the need, especially on um, an independent radio station where you would think that things could be freely mm. spoken about. Um, but you, you, yeah, it just kind of highlighted that to me. Yeah. Lama, what was your first understanding of it. I think for me it was like in high school and then I like there was a point where like my friend circle we were talking about it a lot I don't know why can't remember why we were but we just were and then and then that was like very brief and for me it was a bit like oh I get it I, I understand it and I get how it happens and then I think 
when I went into uni and, you know, studying psych and just sometimes, you know, when you do assignments, you get to like pick certain topics that you actually are interested in talking about. And for me, it's always been like anything to do with sexual health or reproductive rights. And I remember like just reading about um, like abortion and as from a like psychological perspective and as like a therapist and what that like relationship is like. So that was, I guess, my proper like building block for my like understanding around it. And then I used to just love like studying shit in my family be like so guys what do you think about this topic today and my, my brother's always like oh no she's back she's back with her question so I think that was like yeah my first understanding of it was in high school and then it sort of developed as I got older which I'm guessing like happens for a lot of people um as well but I wanted to ask like based on your work that you've done with Ram and you know throughout all the years what are some of the reasons that people get abortions for? Because I think when we're really young, we always see it as like, it's very easy to have that one track mind of, yep, it's always when people fall pregnant and then they don't want to have um, the child and they're like, cool, I'm going to have an abortion, which is a totally like valid reason to have an abortion. But I think there are a lot of um, other reasons why that we miss out on. Um. Yeah, absolutely. So... I mean, I think one thing to know or a few things to know that are really significant in this um, discussion is that according to, you know, official statistics from institutes like the Goodmarker Institute, um, one in three women in their lifetime or one in three pregnant persons do have an unintended pregnancy in their lifetime. And out of those one in three, one in four will have an abortion. And so the important thing to keep in mind is that abortions do happen whether or not they are safe, unsafe, legal, or illegal. Because that's a huge figure. If you look around a room, um, mm-hmm. more likely than not, you will know people. And I'm sure at this at this point in time, you will already have known people or, you know, even yourselves potentially um, yeah. experiencing unintended pregnancy. And then out of that, um, getting an abortion. So just from my work and then also the very widespread research that has been done, people get uh, abortions all the time. We know this and for all sorts of reasons. So whether that is lack of financial ability to have a pregnancy, whether um, that is because of social reasons, whether that is because of timing reasons, um, sometimes it's partner related reasons, you know, you've had the pregnancy, but your partner might not be the right person to have the child with. Um, and a major reason as well is that sometimes, a lot of times, people already have other children that need their attention in that moment, and they can't afford to, you know, bring another child into that situation. Um, we noted at Bram um, when we were doing our hotline research that um, nearly half of our clients who come to seek a safe abortion in Malaysia are married. Um, and this is a figure that repeats itself, I would say, quite pretty much across the board. So there's a stigma that it's only a certain sort of person who falls pregnant with an unintended pregnancy and then seeks an abortion. But that's absolutely not true. Um, in my time uh, working in this field, you see all sorts of people. And unfortunately, that ranges from adolescent, almost child, children, um, from the start of reproductive age around 12 all the way to the other end of the spectrum. So it just really happens widely across the board. There is no one perfect pregnant person or person who has to have an, uh, wants an abortion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That shook me. I actually it's, don't know why I yeah. didn't think about the fact that married people could get abortions. Mm-hmm. Like, now that you say it, I'm like, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, not something that you think about. And uh, yeah. we found that I I would say about 34% of the hotline clients who come to us actually have already one or more children. So from the 50%, a big a big majority of that, um, they already have children. So you can see kind of where it comes from, what they're thinking of, what their concerns might be beyond just the uh, controversial ethical or moral aspects to it. There's a lot, yeah, that goes on. Yeah. Could literally happen to anyone. Yeah. Like anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how does Malaysia's current le- legislation surrounding abortion actually affect our communities? Um, yeah, that's a great question. So what um, I would say our stance and my personal stance as well uh, in this is that legally we do make abortion permissible. And so the word is permissible instead of legal because our law explicitly states in certain circumstances that abortion is not allowed, but there are exemptions to that. And so what we look at are the exemptions to it. So um, it's specifically Penal Code 312 that speaks to this in Malaysian law. Um, and so we remember it through the number 312. So there are three reasons which make abortion permissible, um, which is to save the pregnant person's life or for their mental or physical health. Um, and it says that there has to be one good faith between two people. So that's the medical practitioner and the pregnant persons. And that's um, significant as well to note because actually in a lot of other countries, which you might think um, might be more liberal, they ask for the permission or the good faith between more than one medical practitioner. And obviously that creates a barrier. But in Malaysia, it's only one medical practitioner mm. that needs to certify that it's affecting the mother's life, mental or physical health. And then like kind of going deeper beyond that, um, just the fact that a pregnancy is unintended, we can say would be enough to disrupt the person's mental um, state of well-being. So we, so in that sense, I would consider it part of falling under that exemption, making the abortion permissible. So in that sense, you know, it's very Malaysian in that way. We have all sorts of like weird loopholes and like it's never clear cut. <laughs> it's always a gray area. It just makes things a bit mm. more difficult, but also yeah. there's space to move around. There's wiggle room. Yeah. Yeah. And what about things like around the age of consent in the sense that like if you were above 18 or below 18 and whether or not you had a say in um, whether you wanted to have the abortion or not? Mm, Yeah, another great question. So the um, issue of consent, I think, in Malaysia, from what I've experienced and know of, Age is certainly a factor. You have to definitely be 18 for any medical procedure um, without needing parental consent. But it also stretches into marital consent in some in some forms because there are lots of cases where um, doctors we know say that they need the partner's consent as well before they perform the abortion. Um, and obviously this mm. throws a wrench in things if... For example, the pregnant person is coming from a situation of violence or domestic abuse um, where they can't keep the child and can't reveal as well that they are pregnant. Um, So Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, just because of the way that society is set up, right? Um, So patriarchal. A lot of times uh, we struggle with Mm -hmm. having partners who 
or doctors who need that consent just because um, the other person is a man. Uh, but age-wise, yes, 18 years old is um, the age of consent for medical procedures, and that includes abortions. Mm-hmm. So if you were below 18 and pregnant, your parents would then decide for you? Yes, you would need your um, parents' permission. But this also applies to other medical procedures in general. But yeah, obviously with abortion, yeah. that that does create yeah, a complication. Sense, yeah. 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 That's interesting. Do, why so I wanted to ask, why are you passionate about advocacy work especially around the bubble of like safe access to abortions and you know did your work influence your perspective was there anything outside of that that played a part in it? Yeah, um yeah, like I kind of mentioned before, uh it was looking at the gap in First, first of all, media, but then looking wider into it, just the legal, the, yeah. the lived realities of women and what's going on, that that really kind of led me down this rabbit hole, I would say, that I'm still going through. Um, just kind of wanting to know why. <laughs> like, it, it really is a big question to me. Like, why does this have to happen? And so one way in which I figure I can kind of look for the answers to these difficult questions is by doing the research that I do, is by doing the work, is by connecting directly with people and women who have experienced so many horrific things um, because of vague legislation, because of, again, men who want to control their bodies, whether that is, you know, um, the medical system, doctors, politicians, uh, just men in their lives. Um, it's a it's a big question of why all the time that I want to answer. And so this, this helps me yeah. find the answers, I suppose, in the work that I do. Yep. Um, are there common misconceptions surrounding the dialogue of legalizing abortions? Mm. Um, yeah, like I mentioned earlier as well. So it is permissible. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. Mm -hmm. And more concerningly, a lot of doctors don't seem to either know that or kind of want to trust that there is this exemption in the penal code, which makes access that much more difficult because a lot of times, you know, as researchers, we've gone up to doctors themselves and asked them, you know, why is it that you either don't want to um, advertise that you provide safe abortions or why is it that you blatantly just do not provide abortions? And a lot of times it's that doctors themselves don't want to believe that they won't get in trouble um, for a medical procedure that is, you know, strictly medical um, and that mm -hmm. is also <clears throat> permissible in the eyes of the law. So legislation does create a barrier, I would say, but more than that, it creates a sort of social stigma that creates these barriers. Um, so the social stigma part is, is, is part of this that, that, um, is a big part, I think, in the lack of access or lack of safe access. Yeah. yeah. In the country. It's really frustrating just thinking about it because, you know, like, as a medical professional, you think that your, whatever you do, it's for the best interest of your patient, but yet you feel, I mean, you know, for those relevant doctors, yet you feel the need to have some kind of say over what they should or shouldn't be doing Yeah. Um, when it's really not in their best interest. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Frustrating to just hear that. Yeah. I know, yeah. yeah. That is really frustrating. Ugh, why are we like this? But I think, I think that stigma definitely does paralyze a lot of them and I was I don't know where I was reading this but a lot of the time even like Malaysian citizens in general like we don't even realize 
we don't even know where our country stands with legislation to do with abortions. Like, I, when, like, reading about it before this, like, I, I don't know why in my mind, but I always thought it was illegal. But then I think, like, maybe a year or two ago, I was like, oh, it is legal. And it has, like, these reasons why. And I think it's just that, like, stigma that surrounds the conversation about abortions in Malaysia that just automatically makes you assume that it is illegal, which I can't imagine if that's just like what a normal layman person me thinks, like what it's like when you're actually in the field and you don't understand um, all of that. So, yeah. Um, we talk about getting a safe abortion, but what what are unsafe abortions? And especially in Malaysia, and what is the consequence of um, unsafe abortions towards people that, um, yeah, go and attempt to get that? Mm. Uh, so I guess the official mm-hmm. definition given by the WHO is that an unsafe abortion is a procedure for terminating an unwanted pregnancy done by persons lacking either the necessary skills in an environment lacking the minimal medical standards or both those things. Um, but in my personal opinion, I think an unsafe abortion beyond just those two factors can be very, very varied, uh, varied, um, like anything that makes the woman feel unsafe, um, anything that makes the procedure not medically clear, um, that creates um, potentially a lot of vagueness surrounding it, which can unfortunately lead to medical complications that then endanger um, the pregnant person's life. So um, Shai, you were saying that there are more than one ways to have an abortion beyond just surgical, and that's absolutely true. So there is the surgical abortion, um, more commonly known as vacuum aspiration. And that's a very simple, like, I would say with no complications, 15 minute procedure where the pregnant person comes in, um, there's something called an aspirator, which then, you know, um, removes the pregnancy and then it's done. It's over. It's actually so simple, um, not complicated at all. Um, and then there's also the, and then by that day itself, the the person can go home um, and by the next day back to work if they if they would like to. Um, so it's not this big, mm-hmm. scary thing that you sometimes see in movies um, or TV shows where you don't really know yeah. what's going on. It all seems kind of scary and big <laughs> and you always see like knives and stuff maybe at the side. Yeah. Totally not a thing. Does not, doesn't, is not needed. Um, yeah. And then there's the medical Is it abortion. a painful procedure? Um, I would say yeah. that there might be discomfort, but um, for example, if you ever had a pap smear, oh. um, it, mm. it, you know, yeah, <laughs> I mean, those are not fun as well, because obviously it's kind of, I think it's medieval. It's invasive as, well. as- <laughs> 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 Yeah, no, I talk about this with my friends all the time. Um, not fun, but you know, if you've had a pap smear, you can kind of imagine sort of what goes into the whole thing yeah 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 um not but no 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 there's no there's no like i would think like screaming there's no crying there's no, no like you know clutching your stomach with lots of blood everywhere it, it doesn't happen that way yeah just discomfort yeah yes um and then the medical um abortion which is the other type of abortion is when people are able to ingest pills and then safely expel the pregnancy in the safety and comfort of their own home Um, without having to go to a medical facility. But this is obviously done for pregnancies in the first term up to certain um, gestational weeks. Uh, But, you know, it's 
a hugely significant medical advancement, I think, that has allowed for access for even more um, pregnant persons. Yeah. So uh, medical abortion is not legal in Malaysia, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we it is... I wouldn't say it's not even legal. It's just that it's not available. It's not... Um, it's it's just not available. We don't we don't get the pills in Malaysia, so that is extremely unfortunate. I would say, and something that continues to be fought for, um, because again, medical abortion provides um, new ways of access all over the world to women all the time. Um, to just be able to take the pills and then have maybe what could be a heavier period than normal, um, yeah, mm -hmm. definitely needed. I would think. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Okay. Yeah. Um. So on the flip side, how do safe abortions change and even save lives? Um. Yeah. Well, in so many ways, right? Because first of all, you've already found out that this thing is happening to you, which is an unintended pregnancy, and if you're not planning to keep it, I think the first thing that strikes is this fear a lot of times that I see in hotline clients where they really just don't know where to go because that information is not necessarily available. Um, and so to, first of all, be in that sort of mental state where you don't know where to go for a pregnancy that is growing all the time inside of you, um, mm. to be able to then know that you're able to seek a safe abortion, I think is so, so important and significant. Um, it provides options, obviously. You're able to continue with your life, whatever age you're at, whatever life stage you're at. Um, yeah, and of course, maternal mortality, you know, so mothers dying because of their pregnancies, whether unintended or not, is a real thing that still goes on throughout the world. And um, the statistics always show that um, the rate of maternal mortality or health-related complications always correlates with unsafe abortions or abortions not being legalized. So by legalizing abortion, it actually makes it safer for women to obtain them because the base point is that pregnant persons will always need abortions wherever in the world, no matter what the law is. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that is that um, it not being legalized? Mm -hmm. Why... Sorry, my train of thought with this question is just like all over the place now. Yeah, no worries. It is pretty heavy, this out. topic. <laughs> yeah, it's it's heavy, but it's also, I'm just like, something made sense and clicked in my head, and now I'm trying to like figure out what that was again. Um, it was it was something along the lines of like, because it's not being legalized, um, or at least like, okay, why is it not being legalized? Is it because that people are afraid that by legalizing it, you're encouraging um, more like unsafe sex or is it that you're encouraging just sex alone and you know mm. like does that really make a difference Um, yeah yeah that's where I was going with it <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah I mean I'm, I'm sure you know in your thoughts and talking to people or just thinking about uh, sexual and reproductive health and rights it is kind of just one big feedback loop obviously so sex education is so important in that sense but then also an open attitude towards sex that, first of all, beyond just understanding that people do fall pregnant and have abortions all the time, it's that people also have sex all the time. Um, and mm -hmm. 
that if you don't have good sex education, then that's where unintended pregnancies come from. Um, so yeah, I think it's a huge effort to control women's bodies, first of all, um, because not having access to safe abortions makes them so vulnerable um, to what's out there. Yeah, I'm also trying to think about it, but I, I get what you mean. It's just, I think, yeah. I would love to bring this question to government officials, to the people who make <laughs> <laughs> these decisions over like, our bodies. So why? Tell me why. You know, because obviously it's, yeah, it's like, you don't want people having sex, obviously, especially premarital sex. Uh, you don't want them, you mm. know, committing that sin or whatever the thought process is but people still do so you know that really is the whole yeah, thing behind it's not gonna it. stop yeah. people it's not gonna stop people yeah. and if you don't provide sex education and teach them about contraception um how to take care of their bodies consent respect mm. um unintended pregnancies will occur through whatever lens you look through <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and even through, like, comprehensive sexuality education, like, knowing all the resources and services that are available to you um, and knowing when to go should you find yourself in a situation, also very important. Yeah, um, I have to agree. Like, yeah. even being in Australia, and not that I'm planning to get pregnant at all, disclaimer, but just the <laughs> fact that I know that there are services there that will help you, that are free, that the, the practitioners are very, most of the time at least, very, like, warm open and non-judgmental when it comes to all the questions that you have just makes me feel a little bit at ease with the fact that if I were to let's say have an unintended pregnancy that I would be safe and I wouldn't have to freak out and immediately be like oh my god what's happening and it's already such a you know like both of you have said it, it can be stressful a very like situation. stressful situation so just having that sort of yeah that sort of safety and knowing is really important and Honestly, Shaya, I don't know. I don't know why we are still stuck in this loop of, like, <laughs> it's it's a lot of things. I think that even with the way that a lot of, you know, government officials, whatever it is, teachers, sometimes can approach the question of, like, sex education and the conversation around it, it's always just that it's going to encourage people to have more sex. And we're already having it, babes. Why? Like, just yeah. teach us how to have it safely and you know properly and just and and yeah it's, and it's also just I think we look at sex and this is like obviously far from the scope of like where Malaysia would be anytime soon but I also think we look at sex very heteronormatively and there are a lot of other ways to have sex that will probably not result in you getting pregnant but it's fine we're not going to go there today but that's just also where my train of thought is sometimes <laughs> um but I wanted to ask a question um, based on your work, I don't know if you had experience with this, but when it comes to legislation and moving forward with legislation and, you know, hopefully getting to a point where it is legalized or whatever steps that it takes to get there, do you have any experiences with, like, you know, whether it, com whether it comes to writing, like, bills or things like that or putting forward research towards people that do write the bills and do have the power to, you know, put those laws um or recommendations forward is it difficult do you know people that have done that and what is that experience like especially in Malaysia <laughs> um yeah so disclaimer that I am no longer well okay I, I am still on board as a hotline counselor but not um uh not an employee mm -hmm. anymore of RAM but 
what the organization does is that they do form, let's say, stakeholder alliances with organizations such as the UNFPA, which is the United Nations Family Planning Association, um, and more importantly, the mm. Ministry of Health. So um, because I was running the National Safe Abortion Hotline through RAMS Hotline before this, what we were able to do, or what I was able to do, is compile the data from what we were receiving on the hotline and then present that in a report to the Ministry of Health. Um, and so that was definitely, I would say for myself, a career highlight to present that in this yeah. really big, fancy <laughs> MOH meeting. And then at the end, they were like, send us the report. We want to look through it again. And I was like, Ooh, <laughs> like please take all oh, this good. information because nobody else is probably going to give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, I would say disappointingly that, you know, we have received um, feedback or response, you know, because this is an issue that advocacy alliances and activists have been pushing for for years now. You know, I'm so young in comparison to some of the people that have been working tirelessly in this field for years and years. Mm -hmm. And it seems that no matter what evidence is really just glaring in your face, uh, that abortion should be, you know, destigmatized, legalized, yeah. medical abortions should be provided. Uh, the response is always just, meh, no, we'll just, you know, we, we can't see this. We've got to close one eye. Yeah, literally. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think it's like even, even similar with the way that um, the sexual harassment bill and how there was just so much hype about it. We're like, yeah, it's going to be table. It's going to be table, guys. And then we're still in the same position we were last year and it's January mm-hmm. um I feel like it feels that way a lot of the time so many roadblocks and so many hurdles I actually yeah. sometimes I spend a lot of time thinking about the fact that this is how I feel now with only a couple of years with like the proper comprehension of what's going on whereas I can imagine whether it's fatigue that a lot of activists and advocates must feel they've been doing it for like years and years and years um mm-hmm. COVID-19 and this pandemic has completely changed a lot of our lives and so many parts of it. Has it had an impact on accessing safe abortions in Malaysia? Absolutely. So, you know, if, for example, social stigma was a barrier before this, I would say that with the effects of COVID and more importantly, the lockdown, Mm. um, MCO was even more devastating all across the board for people in so so many ways so you know like we mentioned or like we talked about earlier the reasons why people get an abortion it's just taking those reasons and then kind of compressing them into like a microcosm of like a huge pressure ball that was what the mco felt like um i think just working on the hotline so what we saw was that uh requests for abortions jumped nearly 50% on the hotline during the MCO months. Um, And yeah, so we take um, about 300 calls a month. But more significantly, requests for second and third trimester abortions, which are much rarer, jumped by almost 100% during that time period. Um, So things, for example, like, you know, if you're in a state where you don't know if they're, you know, let's say a more conservative state like Lantan, where 
you can't even, you know, ask for contraception at a 7-Eleven if you're not married um, and can't show up a certificate of marriage. How, where would you go? You would go to a place like KL or Penang. Um, but then if interstate travel is banned, how are you going to do that? Mm. Um, and then, you know, if, the MC- if at the start of the MCO you found out you were one month pregnant, which is the most common time, you know, after the first missed period, where people find them um, find yeah. out that they've had they're having an unintended pregnancy, if that stretches on, for the M- MCO stretches on for three months. By the time you get out of that, you're already four months pregnant, and that has, um, you know, technically passed the, uh, limit for abortion in Malaysia. Um, then what do you do? You know, yeah. we've even talked. Yeah. I've even talked directly to people who, had planned pregnancies but then couldn't keep the pregnancy anymore because both their partner and themselves had lost their jobs and so had no Mm. viable employment means. Um, So it's not even unintended pregnancies. Even planned pregnancies couldn't go on because of just the devastating economic effects, I would say, um, of the MCO. It was a very sobering time and I think honestly quite traumatic for a lot of, um, you know, um, people such as uh, Holland counselors as ourselves who had to listen over and over again day in and day out um, about these stories that were going on all over the country yeah it's crazy how like a lot of this just goes unreported like I don't yeah. think I remember seeing any news on you know like the calls and like you know number of people who are calling like the hotline and stuff um, and I also wanted to ask about like burnout and like fatigue you know as a telephone counselor like what was that like or what is it like for you guys to like go through all of that um and also like if you could talk a bit on like resilience as well and how that works for you mm. yeah resilience not strength right because <laughs> <laughs> that's what matters um the ability to bounce back mm. um yeah i mean obviously you know activist burnout is a real thing um as you guys probably know yourselves as well, um, in anything, you know, self-care beyond just, like, obviously this new, newfangled, capitalized way of buying more <laughs> things is, is a real practice. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think just for me, a, a, a very simple but significant thing I had to do because I was burning out at that time was just set boundaries for myself and be like, you know, I there were nights where I was, up on the hotline till 4 a.m like in tears because someone like can't access their abortion and I'm like how do I how do I help them um staying on the phone with them um but it was it was you know not necessarily uh sustainable so just setting those boundaries for myself and being like okay during these hours because we're in lockdown um I will be working on the phone and then beyond those hours I have to take that time for myself and kind of pass it on to someone else who can take it at those hours um boundaries i would suppose um always a good thing (laughs) yeah yeah i feel like boundaries are like number one on my self-care tip for anyone because it like applies to everything especially Mm. when you work and i really feel that on one side there were so many of people like like me that wasn't working during the lockdowns but then i also had people like friends and partners that like were working and the the part about working in lockdown that is difficult is that people really forget that you start and you have to stop somewhere and you just go on and on and they you know you end up working so many more hours than you normally do and you end up burning out really really quickly and I was like guys I know you're working from home and I know you can just roll out of bed 
and get on your laptop but you need to like set a boundary and tell yourself you need to finish at this time because if not you really just yeah get really mm. sucked into everything and especially I think it takes a lot of like emotional and mental space to be a hotline counselor especially um what you do and yeah I can only imagine like I I deal with customer service and like for me it's just like listening to people about losing their jobs, houses, families like if that already in itself is so draining because you're just like I don't know how to help you and I and I can't help you even if I wanted to um yeah I can imagine it's very tough yeah for sure what is a message um you wish to share for those who have had an abortion or those who are currently awaiting one or currently going through the process of one because I can imagine it being quite an overwhelming experience and especially if you don't have many people who are there to like understand or support you um yeah what's a message that you'd share for them uh wow yeah that's a big one <laughs> um so many things obviously i i wish i could write the handbook on <laughs> abortion in malaysia mm. but uh if you know if anything it would be that there are options available to you and that there are safe options that will you know hopefully make you feel safe and keep you safe and that um these options you know can be asked for um because I think one of the worst things to feel is that there are no options or that you don't know where to go or what to do in a situation like unintended pregnancy. Uh, and there's absolutely no judgment. There shouldn't be a moral imperative, I think, for doing what's best for yourself, your own future, um, even your unborn child's future, your unborn children that you may have in the future. Yeah. Um, you know, one in three women or pregnant persons, again, have an unintended pregnancy in their lifetime. So it really, it doesn't deserve any stigma at all. Uh, it's so much more yep. of a common experience that you could think. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. I always like to ask this question, but what would you recommend or say, I don't know the right way to like phrase the question, but to peoples that are still not sure where they stand on supporting people that, you know, may need an abortion at some point in their life. And how, or and if you don't know how to answer that question, then how do we, or me as a normal person, <laughs> approach someone that doesn't particularly support that some people may need it? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a very empathetic way of phrasing it. I'm probably not as sympathetic. I'm a bit more petty. I oscillate between the two. I'm always like, oh, like, why am I always have to be the one that's the bigger person and empathetic? Why can't you just do this and think for yourself? Why do I have to do all the work? Then I was like, being the Damn bigger it, person now is I, like, And I was just like, fuck, I also have to be like, okay, fine, let me be empathetic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. Um, but for me, I think it stems more from what we talked about with boundaries, yeah. right? So like not extending my sympathies is part of are part of my brown boundaries and keeping this work sustainable for myself because mm. it's like you know oh i don't support abortion then all right you can support my child when it comes out you know what i mean yeah. like financially um you know you don't support one thing support the thing the outcome of it i suppose and that's where people then yeah. instantly back off and are like no 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 it's not that but you know i don't this whole vocabulary i think it's like 
oh lgbtq i don't support that like what does that even mean L- literally like, it's not you it's not your life <laughs> like, ah. yeah it's not your support nobody that's needed. <laughs> nobody asked you you know unless you know you're directly affected because you're part of the community i I yeah. I don't support something. What does that mean? Oh my mean? god! It's always yeah. like a yeah. I don't agree. Again, at the end of the day, it's like you're not going through. Yeah, it. it's always like I don't agree with the lifestyle. Yeah. But like I'm like okay, well you're not living the lifestyle. So what is it to you? <laughs> and it's not a lifestyle choice. But yeah. okay, yeah. So like you don't want to support abortion. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, a whole a whole ass child is a product of that. And <laughs> how are you not going to support something? And then, you know, like, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard the arguments, you know, how are you not going to support um, abortion for unintended pregnancies? And then, you know, not support Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. not support, you Lives know, that already exist. Better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I think it's bullshit. I don't think, I think the, this vocabulary on supporting or not, it just is. Yeah. She said what she <laughs> said, it. guys. I really love this energy. I'm sorry, too. <laughs> very justified, though. Very, very justified. Yeah. Um, where can yeah. people get mm. more information or resources on um, accessing safe abortions in Malaysia? And where can they go to get help? If they need it. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm going to plug my organization again. <laughs> Reproductive Rights Advocacy Alliance Malaysia. That's R-R-A-A-M. Uh, you can find it, uh, Ram Malaysia, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the website as well, R-A-A-M.org. Um, that, you know, gives information on accessing the hotline, accessing a hotline counselor who can speak to you if you're going through an unintended pregnancy. And we do try to make it as accessible as possible. So it's English and Malay as well. It's, you know, we, we really try to work on, um, you know, not just focusing just because this seems like a liberal topic, uh, just having it only uh, available in the English language. Yeah. Um, and we've even done um, workshops recently, shout out to my awesome uh, co-workers at RAM um, with, uh, I think, sex workers in Mandarin, Malay, English, and even Tamil. Yeah, we saw that. Yes, <laughs> I saw that. I was like... Amazing work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then uh, there's also FYKL. So they are a youth collective um, that works independently and they can also be found on any social media platform under the same... Uh, name FYKL and you can even speak um, to some of them too and it might be more accessible because they are young people who are working behind the scenes tirelessly as well on SRHR access and advocacy in Malaysia mm-hmm. um, and we'll also you know some of them even are part of uh, our hotline counseling team so they're doing amazing work that I think is radical um, yeah yeah awesome Okay, well, thank you so much, Amanda, for being here and speaking to us and giving us your time. I have certainly learned a lot. Um, bit shook here and there, but like, still very grateful um, <laughs> to be learning from you. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for doing this work and <laughs> all the, you know, love and sass and attitude that you guys put into it. Love your podcast. So I feel like Shia brings Thank a lot you. of love. All I do is bring <laughs> sass. Yeah, you know, you gotta balance it out. I love it. Yeah, it's a, it's a good balance. I, I like this balance. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. 
we loved having you on here. Uh, you guys can all find Amanda on LinkedIn if you want to connect with her and chat about all the things. But yeah, remember her boundaries. Don't be don't be in there when she doesn't want it. Okay? Don't pressure her. I will fight Ask you. Her. <laughs> uh, follow us at Auntie Please on Instagram. Shia is at, at Shia5 and I am at Natasha J Lama. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.